Best player in the world for me. Dastny drops for Lion A. Shooting scores! Like the predator he is, Lion A strikes and the Jets have tied it. Panarin's got it for the Blue Jackets. Down on the left wing and across the line. Panarin trying to cut in. Scores! Game winner in overtime. What a goal by Panarin. I mean, this is just unbelievable. Now it is Marchand. Hey everybody, welcome to Puck Talks Toronto, episode number 24. I'm Zach Cook, joined by Spencer Lucia and Spencer. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs had a bit of an interesting game last night. Patrice Bergeron was a scratch and in warm-up. He did not dress in the game, and that made things a little interesting headed into the game because it was kind of a secret. Nobody knew about it headed into the warm-up, and he wasn't out there for the pregame skate, so it made things a little confusing for, uh, for the team, and they needed to adjust the game plan. Riley Nash filled in as the, the top-line center for the Bruins between Pasternak and Marchand. They didn't have a problem getting on the board. Marchand scored in the second frame to give the Bruins a 2-1 edge. They had another one in the third period to give them the 3-1 lead. I still thought Mitch Marner was the best player on the ice all night long, and he was just... He was flying. Thomas Buchanan's got his first as a Toronto Maple Leaf finally in his, I think it was his 20th game. So it was about time uh, Buchanan's got on the board. But Spencer, what do you think of the game last night? I thought it was a, a bit of an interesting one. And now the buds are, they're on the brink. Yeah, I, I guess interesting is a, is a good word to, to go with it. I mean, we saw that the Leafs, they had a, a good amount of, uh, you know, energy to start this game off. I know the the early goal kind of deflated it, but I like the way that they responded after that early goal, the the way that they still worked their game plan in, used their speed, and then the, the goal uh, came shortly after. So I, I thought, you know, the first couple periods were good, but as soon as they went down, they had no pushback in the third period, which I thought if, you know, you're in the playoffs, you're down, you could go to Boston on the brink of elimination. I thought there'd be a little bit more desperation from their play, but uh, I didn't see that, and, and they're down 3-1 now, and now they have to play desperate. If it wasn't Mitch Marner that was the best player on the ice, it had to have been Tuka Rask. He was fantastic between the pipes for the Boston Bruins. Frederick Anderson, he was okay, but you can't allow that first goal like you did like that to, to Tory Krug on the rush there. 28 seconds into the game, that just that can't happen on the short side. Like Goals like that are so deflating, like you kind of mentioned, to the team. And, uh, of course, the Leafs did have a response there. Thomas Buchanan scored at 7.43 into the first frame, but... Yeah, that that just can't happen in the postseason. No, and the opportunity was there too. Like you said, Bergeron was out. That they, they, I don't know if that was tactics or or what from Boston, but like you said, they they dragged it right until the very end until they finally said Bergeron was out. But the opportunity was there for the taking. Uh, after a great game three, uh, and now their best player not in the lineup, I thought for sure the Leafs were going to attack and make sure that you know the series was even, but. They fell flat, and, and I think that's that's all we can really say about that is that they just fell flat. The opportunity was there, and they, they missed it. Yeah, headed into the game, there wasn't even a whisper about Bergeron, not even a clue that he was actually injured, but it sounds like, according to Bruce Cassidy, that he'll play or potentially play in Game 5, which makes things a little... It, it makes it a little more interesting because if he's missing just one game and he's played before with, like, punctured lungs and, like, broken ribs and you know, what the the Boston Bruins did if you look at the games 
Bergeron miss, and I think he missed about 13 games earlier this season. Riley Nash, Brad Marchand, David Pasternak, those three guys were point-per-game players. Tori Krug also. They were all point-per-game players while Bergeron was gone. Which four players stepped up in his absence last night? Those four individuals. So you look you look at that Boston Bruins team, they know how to really attack when one of their players are, are out. So the Leafs will be getting a boost on Saturday for Game 5. Nazem Kadri is expected to return to the lineup after serving his three-game suspension. It's it's got to be Dom Moore that comes out, right? Yeah, you, you would what think do you do so. There? Yeah. yeah, you would think so. I, I, although Dom Moore has been playing pretty yeah, good the fourth in the, line's the other been two games. Arguably the second best line on the Leafs right now behind the, I guess you could argue the, the Matthews line still been the best. And then maybe a 1A, 1B type scenario with the Pacanets line now because that's they've kind of yeah. found some chemistry together. Yeah, and then the, that's but the a, fourth line hasn't been anything to to doubt, right? The, the bigger thing, I think, too, is... It, are they going to move Placanis off that second line if it's rolling? I mean, Cod- I think Kadri kind of deserves to get back into a spot. He's done it all year. But this is the best that they've seen Placanis. Do you really want to screw that up? So if it's not the second line where you put Kadri, where do you put him? It, well, that's the thing. You kind of run out of spot. Screw up you screw the, the Bozak line? No, like you yeah. don't, and you're not moving Matthews. Bozak, so like... Bozak and JVR have been playing together for the last yeah. six years. I, I, you don't, you're not screwing that up in the postseason now. I just, I like it, it's so, it's interesting, right? When you, when you think of it that way, considering how well Placanis has done. But I think he just goes back and takes that second spot. But People are saying, does he bring that emotion in, in game five? And I think he has to bring that. I think that's what they were missing in these last three, three games was his emotion being there. Yeah, they need Kadri to be himself. Uh, of course, it was a stupid suspension to take, yeah. especially in, in game one of the postseason when you're trying to, to set the tone for the series. But there was just there was no need for that hit, and it just didn't really make a lot of sense. It was a selfish play, and you, you can't be doing that stuff when it's a, it's a team game. Uh, for me, it's it's a really interesting situation for Mike Babcock because, like you just kind of mentioned, if you take Buchanan's off that line, I really wonder if he's the same player if he's still on that fourth unit. He did a really good job neutralizing Bergeron in Game 3. Of course, Bergeron didn't dress last night in Game 4, but if Bergeron is back for Game 5, you have to wonder what the scenario is because Kadri's kind of been the Leafs' shutdown centerman all year long, so he can obviously fill that void, but... If you want Thomas Buchanan to continue to contribute, you can't put him into a lesser role. Yeah, you've set him up for success in the first or in these games three and four. We've seen it years and years with the Montreal Canadiens, where he is this role. Uh, th- he is this guy in the playoffs, the guy that goes and shuts him down. He's used to playing 16, 17 minutes a, a night. When he was with the Leafs, he was averaging about 11, 12 minutes a night. He's used to the role he's in now in game three and four, and that's why it's no shock to see him. Uh, striving in this role. Do you think they close this out on Saturday in Boston? I, I have a feeling. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I, I think Boston's going to close it out in, in five. It's been a bit of a weird series, though, because as not tight as the games have been, it's kind of still been a good series in a sense. But, like, you can argue the Leafs have been in every game except for the kind of the, 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 the thrashing in game two. They've they've been there, they've been around, and they just haven't been able to, to go that extra distance. So, I got to pose the question that I guess if there's a if there's a post-mortem episode next week, we can kind of dive a little deeper into it. But if they are eliminated in that first round of the postseason, is this season a failure again? Uh, for me, I don't think it is a failure, though, because I, I still look at that overall plan that they set out and s- saying this is year two of this three, four, five-year plan that they've put out. So as much as they took the, the President's Trophy, Washington Capitals, to seven games, six games last year, and, and they might fall in five here. 
I still don't think this is a this was a failure of a season. I look at what you've done all regular season. It's definitely a good building block for for next year. I think a lot of a lot of these games, like we said, have been so tight. But the Leafs have been shooting themselves in the foot. It's all been their mental mistakes, and and they've been burned by the veteran team capitalizing on them. So I think it's a good building block season, and we'll we'll look at next year. The issue for me is you look at Boston, you look at Tampa Bay, and those teams aren't going away. Ottawa, Montreal, they're going to be getting high draft picks. Who knows what's going to happen in the free agent market and with trades, whether Eric Carlson gets dealt, whether Max Pacioretty gets dealt, those kind of players. Who really knows what's going to happen in those cities? So it really makes you wonder how the Leafs can get better from here because they're going to lose bodies this year, whether it's James Van Riemsdyk, Tyler Bozak, and they're going to be having those young players needing those contracts soon. So it's kind of a, a tighter window than I think a lot of people realize for this squad right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm, that makes sense too. But I, I think we we clearly saw that Boston and Tampa Bay were, were the teams that wanted to chase the cup this year, right? Look at what they did at the deadline by acquiring uh, those those solid defensemen or, or those big acquisitions, Rick Nash and, and Ryan McDonough. I know that they got Thomas Placanis, the Leafs did, but you look at the, those moves and, and they were the moves that really put this te- those teams over the top. And Rick Nash has been a, a good secondary scoring, uh, you know, offensive generating type guy for Boston. And, and Ryan McDonough is another shutdown defenseman that you need. Where's Toronto's shutdown defense? And where's that guy that can go out there and, and, and lock down a, a, you know, we were asking after games one and two, who was it, who was it going to be to hey, shut which down? Pairing? Which pairing? Right, that's I think their biggest need now is defining that guy that can come into the playoffs and lock down the top line. So if the Leafs are going to come back and win this series, what do you think they need to do in order to to kind of start building momentum? Well, I think their their top players definitely need to start getting going. I mean, one goal for Matthews. I, I'm not, like I don't have. I think Marjorie's been have... arguably the best player in the yeah, series besides I... the the of course the Bergeron line. Marjorie's been just. Pardon me, Marner's been absolutely just fantastic for the Yeah, I agree. I have no issues with Marner. But I think when you look at Nylander and Matthews, they were rolling before the playoffs. And that's what was giving a lot of Leaf fans hope was the fact that they were going. uh, They got the second power play unit going. And and the chemistry was at probably the highest going into this playoffs. And then they just fell off the face of the earth in the, the first four games. So... I think that's what needs to happen is those guys need to start getting going. And, and Kadri obviously needs to redeem himself a bit. He's got to either put the puck in the net or, or be the pest that he, he is, but not cross that line. It'll be interesting to see what happens in Game 5. The Bruins lead the best of seven series 3-1. to one. Puck drop on Saturday goes at 8 p.m. in Boston at the Garden. So um, with that being said, we're headed to Washington now. Columbus, Washington, all tied at 2, and it's arguably been the, the best most competitive series in the postseason so far. Washington got away with a 4-1 to victory last night, and uh, Blue Jackets head coach John Tortorella didn't exactly have a lot of time for the media last night. We weren't good. There's no sense asking me things about the game. I'm telling you, we laid an egg, so I'm not going to break it down for you. We sucked. We sucked. So let's move by it and see if we play better Saturday afternoon. Why do you think is that? Is it fatigue? Is it nerves? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I don't know. It only took four games for John Tortorella to finally have a John Tortorella moment, but man, that that audio is just absolutely priceless. You have to love when he is just doesn't have any time for the media and just doesn't want to be there. He gives the most cliche, lackluster answers and just wants to get out of there. Smile from ear to ear for me right now. Oh, I, I love Haley's it. Haley's smiling. I'm smiling. You're smiling. Like you can't help but smile. You almost with want John Tortorella to, to continue to play like crap just to hear more of uh, some uh, tort sound bites, but. I, I don't know. I finally, we, we hear this, and, and I, do you think it's a little too early, though? Why would he be, like, 
it's it's even now. Like, but I don't the know thing what... is, it's because like they went to Washington, they took both games, and they come home, and they kind of like you said, they laid an egg two nights in a row, and they're now the series is all tied up at two. It's headed back to Washington. Washington's got home ice back. Yeah. Like this is a very, uh, it's kind of a it's been a back and forth series in a sense. A lot of people uh, put the nail in the coffin for Washington after game two, and then game three, it was like if Washington loses this game, there's there's no. There's no chance left in this thing for them, but they were able to pull that out. Lars Eller with the the overtime winner, and uh, you just you have to you have to be thinking positively for this Washington team. It looks like we actually could see that uh, Pittsburgh Washington round oh two if, if if all things go as planned, and maybe it uh, maybe there's a different ending this time. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, Ovi's playing like a man possessed right now. Like this guy, he is he wants car- it. He wants it. <laughs> yeah, he is carrying this team like it, it, it's it's. Lost for words right now. Obviously, what Ovechkin's doing. Uh, but I think like you have to look at Columbus too, with with how youthful like their back end is too, right? I mean, this is still a learning experience in a in a sense. But Ovi is just taking these guys to school right now, and I think the whole Grubauer uh, Holtby thing in the f- first two games that could be Barry Trotz's legacy. We, they fucked up with that. He fucked yeah, up. Yeah, he did. But like you kind of knew Washington was having some issues when they were they didn't know who their goalie was, and I've, I guess Holtby taking it after game three. It was he's got the yeah. start, and he's what two and zero now. So like if if Washington loses this series, I think Trotz's fate's written, and he's done. I think he's gone. If that's really? the case, I really I can't see him sticking around. I really can't. I well, Grubauer was the better goalie. I know, I down agree stretch, with that, but so. it's still a ballsy call to not go with your guy. That's your guy. Yeah, I get playing I get the hot it. guy down the stretch, but that's your guy, man. He's been Playoff in the postseason. Performer. He's been an absolute stud. He hasn't been the issue in the past for Washington in the postseason. And I talked to Cap. I have a few Caps fans friends, and they're all like, they were surprised that they went yeah. with Grubauer in Game One, and that they're they're people that have watched the games all season long. So that kind of shows you like kind of the state of that team. But I guess it's always a good Friday when John Torrell has has good sound bite. But don't you just wish you were a fly on the wall for his yes. post-game dressing room yes. speech? Like, I, I would pay good money for that. I wish that was just he for should, sale He should audio. do, like, a, a comedy club, but just him at the podium and just his best, like, freakouts. Like, him just, you know, setting... I'd pay money to go see that. Oh, 100%. But uh, a lot of other teams have uh, already advanced, specifically the San Jose Sharks and the Vegas Golden Knights. Both were sweeps. Uh, both California teams, they were able to sweep. Uh, San Jose swept the Anaheim Ducks and... Uh, Vegas swept the Los Angeles Kings. Both those are a little bit surprising to me. I expected, I actually had in my bracket, I, I guess it sounds stupid now, but I had both series going seven games and I had the complete opposite result of the series, I believe, if that's what I remember from my bracket. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess that just shows you anything could happen in sports. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, when are we going to start taking Vegas seriously? I, I kept, I had the Kings and I don't know. I, until the they actually win the Stanley Cup, I guess I'm keep doubting them all year. But uh, I'm I was really surprised. Like you look at Jonathan Quick, he they got swept and he only well, let in like five goals. Five goals. <laughs> like that just is crazy. The the, the goaltending duel, and I thought that that series was gonna be based off which goalie st- stood on their head. And I guess you got to give it to Flurry, but there was no shame in Quick's performance. And I was really shocked with the San Jose. I mean, they were beat up. Uh, there was nothing really to like about that team Thornton going hasn't into even the playoffs. Playing like that's if they get him back, yeah, and they make quick work of a pretty good Anaheim Ducks team. Like so. that's not a bad team. I mean, Corey Perry's trash, but not the trash <laughs> that you kind of need to like. Kind of just the one you need to take out to the curb, and you'd love him if he was on your team. But he just, you know what I'm saying. But 
I, like you look at Vegas and it's just it's such a weird situation because they have a bunch of this is the comparison I used yesterday. They have they have like twelve Joss Levos and it's just like they're they're all these teams scrap players that like the you're like you're wondering you didn't give them a shot and they haven't been able to 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 get in the lineup with their teams and they're finally given that shot to be in the lineup and they're they're proving their worth they're performing I mean you get good goaltending you get occasional uh, some some goals up front and you're kind of laughing and that's kind of been the case for Vegas and my my main question is when does it get to the point where I just kind of throw down fifty bucks on Vegas on Bodog and just <laughs> cut my losses because this just seems like a team of destiny i don't know any other way to yeah, put it yeah that's what i said like earlier i'm like I, I think we have to literally see these guys win the stanley cup to actually think that okay these guys could do it right like we i've been doubting them all year no one gave them a shot for the regular season uh i was one of those guys and, and sure enough here they are finished first and took the pacific and then we i had the kings winning and a lot of other people did. That was like probably the tightest series too. And it was a f- one versus a wild card. And a lot of people still had the Kings. And here we go. They swept them in four. So until we actually see it happening, which we are, uh, I guess we have to keep going with Vegas. But uh, I think we're seeing the end of two uh, kind of like dynasties or eras in Anaheim and the in Los Angeles there. I think these uh, these sweeps are the the end of that that core. You know, maybe Getzlaff, Corey Perry, they might get shaken up. Uh, obviously, Drew Doughty might not want to stay in LA if he wants to be a Stanley Cup contender again. And they got swept. So I think we're seeing the end of uh, two kind of eras in in it, California. It was like this is the best comparison I think I've heard in a while. It was Tim and Sid last time I was listening to the show, and they were kind of having the same discussion we're having about Vegas, and they were saying I think Sid brought up the point. It's kind of like when when Greece won the Euro in two thousand four. Like it just it's, you don't believe it until it actually happens. Like it just doesn't make yeah. any sense, and it was just it was a completely stunning turn of events. So that's Leicester that's City the in the com- Premier League. That's another years great ago. one. Like the odds of those teams, just it's. I guess that's why we watch sports, though. Yeah. You're waiting for those stories. You're you get behind those stories, and that's kind of why we do what we do so and go why Vegas. We, we love the business. <laughs> but tonight, uh, we got three games on tap in the NHL. We got Philly, Pitt, Pittsburgh's looking to close that one out. They're up three one. Uh, Winnipeg's looking to close that out in. Uh, Winnipeg, they're up three one, and Nashville's also up three to one. They're all all three of those teams are at home, and they're looking to clean it up in Game Five and advance to Round Two. I mean, it, I feel like all three are going to the next round tonight. Maybe that's just me, but uh, I, I think it's a pretty safe bet too. I, I a lot of all of them going back home too. Uh, yeah. To to the yeah, I think we got. It. Can I? Can we talk about this Jets team though for a second? Yeah, they are now down four starting defensemen with Morrissey being suspended. And they have, they seem like they have no pro- issues with it because the guy that they're, they're is filling in now, this Sammy Niku kid, it apparently won the uh, AHL top defenseman this year too. So like these guys have the best tenth defenseman in the league now, and they seem like they have no issues going in with a playoff series. So like this Jets team is a, a lot deeper than I at least thought about it. So hey, Scored, I remember that the guy you're talking about scored in his NHL debut against the Habs. Yeah, and I remember that in like one of the the later games in the season. So. I, I guess you're right. I mean, it's it's a very deep team. They're getting good goaltending from Hellbuck and the offense up front. I mean, that's it's second to none in the postseason. The center depth is there. The wing depth is there. Liney's performing yeah. in the postseason. Like you're getting contributions from Mark Shifley, Paul Stastny down the middle. That great ad at the trade deadline. I mean, even if he tests in the offseason, you still make that move ten times out of ten. He's been a really good performer for these Winnipeg Jets in the postseason. So. Uh, with that being said, I mean, if, if all those teams advance, if it's Pittsburgh, Winnipeg, Nashville, and then you have, uh, whether it's the Bruins advancing against the Leafs and 
the the Capitals jacket series is still kind of a toss up, but you're looking at a lot of good second round series if that's yeah. the case. And it might be coming quick too. Like we said, we we're expecting you know some series to close out tonight. So, but the issue is like Washington Columbus. Apparently, like Game Seven wouldn't be until next Wednesday. So like we're can't oh start God. the next round until that <laughs> happens. So I'd just be like waiting for that one series to finish, and that's. I guess that gives a lot of teams the ability to to get a little healthier, get those bodies back, and I mean, sucks if, for if us Bruins, fans. Oh, 100. percent We won't have as much to talk about, but still, you have you still have the team's ability to get healthy, and that's that's important. Come the postseason time, uh, anything else you want to talk about in the, that you've seen? Any observations that in the first round thus far? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, Crosby got his. Uh, he passed Mario Lemieux there for uh, the Caps playoff point lead. So, I mean, that's uh, pretty impressive there. Uh, I've been seeing the roundtable discussions floating around. Who's the greater Penguin, Crosby or Lemieux? We're not going to get into that just because uh, I don't think that's fair. we got to embrace both talents. Um, but I think w- what, what Malkin said was uh, pretty hilarious at, at postgame. Uh, it's not a surprise. We know like about Sid Lata, but I- I'm close. I'm coming too, you know. And, uh... <laughs> I love that. I mean, like, so obviously he's talking about Sidney Crosby get, getting the, the tally, but he's right, man. He's right there, too, and, and I think he's about eight points back of Crosby now, so who knows? Uh, we can we might be talking about Malkin in there as one of the greatest Penguins, too. Yeah, in our regular season intro, I kind of talk about how Ovechkin's the most underrated player in the NHL right now, but you got to give a little credit to Evgeny Malkin as well. He's been sitting in Sidney Crosby's shadow for the longest time, and it I mean, this guy is a this guy's a going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. This is a player that was completely shafted on the NHL top 100 list, and hey, he's motivated is, by. This it. is Look just a season. guy that is you could build the franchise around, and any other team he would play on would probably lead that team to the playoffs. So it just goes to show you the talent that is of Gany Malkin. But uh, I mean, looking at the the rest of the the series, it's. It's looking like we're we're not going to get any game sevens besides potentially the the Washington Columbus, but I mean I guess we gotta to, to move on here. There's some other news in the NHL, and we're gonna bring in our producer Haley Ferguson to kind of talk about front page news around the league. But I mean you're kind of it's kind of been quiet around the other Canadian teams right now, whether it's Ottawa, Montreal, Edmonton. Most of them have been pretty quiet right now, which is I guess. It makes sense because it's kind of a playoff silence. Yeah, aside from their teams. their postmortems, yeah. there we haven't really heard much, but uh, there we, there's always still some gossip and some rumors flying around. What do you got for us, Haley? Well, we know how much Spencer loves Coach Gully oh, and uh, so poor guy Glenn, Glenn as Spencer likes to call him. Yep. R.I.P. So with him being out, I'm gonna go through some candidates of who we think could be his replacement. Okay, we start. With Bill Peters of Carolina. He is an Alberta native. He has a contract option to leave Carolina yeah. this year. And he is, he was an assistant for Mike Babcock, not, not only in Detroit, but in the WHL. So you got to think Calgary's or Calgary's looking at Toronto and thinking like, mm, wouldn't be the worst. Looking pretty good. Yeah. Then, of course, you have maybe probably the most experienced head coach right now that could get them there. Alain Vigneault, who also oh, yeah. I forgot just out of a job. Axed. Yeah, I forgot he got axed. <laughs> yeah, it was minutes after. Minutes after, minutes I guess. Minutes after the end of the series. Daryl Sutter. 
he is apparently a front runner right now. Really? Why? Okay. Apparently, okay. he's kept a very good relationship with uh, with ownership. I, I remember the uh, seeing him on like hometown hockey a couple weeks back around yeah. Calgary talking. So okay. Okay. You mentioned maybe this guy might be out of a job. Barry Trotz. I could see it. Yeah. If he, yeah. If, fit. if if Columbus wins. I have one I just want to throw into the mix. And another one who also may be out of a job, Bruce Boudreau. Who do you guys like out of that list? Uh, that's a good question. Who's uh, your, wait, I want to know what what the name you, you have at the top. It was top kind of a joke, but oh, okay. I was just going to throw Michelle Terrian's name in the hat. <laughs> so I just, I, I just wanted to throw it in there. Why? I mean, like he's been looking, so I'm, that's all I'm going to say is he's been looking. And Maybe it, he'll be the coach of Carolina. I mean, who, Because who no knows? one else will want to go there. Right? I mean, uh, yeah, I think... That's Probably my favorite chain smoker of all time, so that's just kind of what I'm gonna <laughs> gonna go with there. But uh, that's a good question, though. There's it depends really what route they want to go. If they want to go younger, if they want to go with someone they can develop a little more, or they want to go with the experienced guy. I mean, this is a team that that Bob Hartley took into the postseason with some lackluster goaltending, and then you kind of it's just a really confusing situation in 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 Calgary right now because you have that. That elite blue line. You have some guys up front that make sense, but I mean, you traded those those first round picks away. You're kind of left to dry here in this draft. They're looking to get back into the first round, so it's it's an interesting situation to be in if you're Calgary. But I I think you need to go with a, a younger guy to kind of develop with the talent. So I'm not really sure if I like really? any of those names on the because because in my mind you have to win now. Yeah, I'm. You have I'm, one year. <laughs> I, I'm with Haley here. I think you you got rid of your picks. You got you have a lot. Like I know Monahan and Goudreau. Like some of the core is younger, but you, that back end is is aging. That that goaltending is aging. I think you got to get someone in here that wants to win now too, right? And that's why the, those candidates candidates, right? Elaine Vigneault has done it before. And I think he's probably the best fit for Calgary, being able to take a team to that playoffs and further on in, than the first round. I agree with you in that sense. I just don't think they have the pieces to compete for a Stanley well, Cup yeah, right now. That's the biggest Stanley issue Cup, for me. But to make it into the playoffs. I still right. think they can make it into the playoffs if they're well coached. And it doesn't have to be a veteran to be well coached with this team. I'm not saying hire a coach that hasn't coached before in the <laughs> right. National Hockey League, but I'm just saying someone that can kind of grow with those young players and, and kind of establish that relationship. And I really think they need a a, a coach that is able to to get the most out of his offense because we saw the depth struggle there a bit this year in Calgary. Yep. I mean, the back end was still good. I mean, you're you're led by guys like Mark Giordano on the back end, the addition of Dougie Hamilton. I remember we were talking earlier in the year and we were surprised by how many goals he had. Like this is a guy, this is a back end that can they can put the puck in the net, they can move it, and that's exactly what you want from them today in the National Hockey League. They they've been a they've been a bad team this year, and they're still when we talk about the best defensemen in the league, we always still have to bring up Calgary, you know, right after Nashville. So I, I get that too. I just think the the the. Management, the franchise sees this team as some uh, that whole arena issue with the f- fans too. That's a like mess, you, yeah. Yeah, that's you gotta you gotta impress the Calgary and the fan base right now. And and I mean I don't know if the management and and this franchise can, has time to wait and and develop if they are thinking win now too. Well, one of those names I mentioned, Bruce Boudreaux. I've really been struggling with that one all week. I've messed that one up a oh, couple qu- times. When you say it quick, you I can, do. You can screw it up. It's hard. Bruce is a hard name. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys think he was on that list because you have to think he's getting fired if the Wild are out? 
What do you guys think? I don't I, think so. Like, I agree with Spencer on that. I, I like this this wild team. There was not nothing really to be excited for about this team when when you watch them play. Now there's a little bit of excitement when you when you watch these guys skate. Uh, I mean, you look at what he did with Eric Stahl. He eight season gap between forty goals, <laughs> right? Like they've. Boudreaux has done something to get to this Minnesota franchise, to the players in Minnesota, and it's working for them if they're in the playoffs. So I don't really see Boudreaux being axed at the end of the the season, even if they lose to the Jets. Because, I mean, I think league-wide, everyone knows that the Jets are a really good team. I couldn't agree more. You look at what he did in his track record in Washington and Anaheim. He was always able to get the most offense out of his players, and he's he's doing that with kind of a, a lackluster offense in, in Minnesota. Yeah. He's still been able to to get the most out of them offensively, and he's he's still been able to put in kind of a defensive structure that makes sense. He's getting good goaltending from Deba Dubnik. It was unfortunate to see Ryan Suter go down and uh, not return this That's year, but loss. that was a huge loss for them. I mean, they still have good pieces on the back end, so this is a team that... They're still developing a few young players up front, like Jordan Greenway, uh, Joel Erickson Eck. Like these are guys that still have some developing to do, but they they have a promising future, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, kind of speaking about Bruce, my good pal Bruce. After his press conference, after the Eric Stahl cross check, all he could talk about was Josh Morrissey this, Josh Morrissey that. Like it didn't even matter if the question had anything to do with it. So obviously he got his wish with Morrissey being suspended. That was what, the third suspension we've seen in this round alone? Oh, my God. Is the Department of Player Safety getting too involved in this in this first round? I don't know if they're getting too involved because the players are still making those questionable hits. And, you know, you, you got to look at what the league's trying to do. They're trying to crack down on these types of hits. So I don't know if they're trying, if they're getting involved too much. But I think that that consistency still kind of needs to be there. I mean, they talked about the consistency with offside calls and, and, and goaltender interference, and I think suspensions, you got to have that consistency too. We, we saw Nikita Kucherov. I mean, he's not getting an, uh, a hearing from his hit. Uh, I can't remember who the devil he actually hit, but uh, in, in the last game, but we've seen Doughty get suspended for that type of hit. Uh, Ryan Hartman got, I know he also flipped the bird there we go. too. Four. So, there was four. So <laughs> I, I, I get why he got suspended too, but I'd like to just still see some consistency from it too. But I don't think the league's getting too involved if they're trying to crack down on these types of hits. I think it's good that they're they're kind of cracking down, regardless of it being the, the postseason. You're seeing a lot of officials still, they've been hesitant specifically in the, in the Boston Toronto series I, that I've been kind of keeping an eye on the most. They've been hesitant to to kind of call a lot of things they're letting a lot of things go but the department of player safety has been kind of the the complete opposite they're not really letting those things fly they're giving suspensions where they're due and i i kind of respect that i mean despite nazim kadri getting three games for that hit you can't have that hit in the game and it's just it's a dirty reckless play it's selfish and you you can't be doing stuff like that so so with, with that being said you you really have to take into consideration all yeah, that they've been doing with player safety right now. Yeah, I mean, Kadri's hit was so clear cut though. Like that thing deserved a penalty. But the other, the other three suspensions or, or, you know, so called suspensions, right? Like we saw th- those questionable where where they're flying around and and just nick the, the jaw, right? Those are the ones that the, any head contact hits we're trying to get out of the game. But like I said, Kucherov just got away with one compared to Doughty, who now his team's out of the playoffs. So. I, I want to see some consistency with these calls still. I agree on the, on, on that front for sure. Uh, funny enough, we actually have an event that we've been advertising, and it's coming up in June. So uh, a little while from now, tickets are on sale. It's June 27th, June 28th, and it's a 
uh, little Puck Talks Festival. Uh, we'll probably be there, and we'll be able to continue talking hockey with everyone. It's going to be hosted by Danielle Emmanuel. Uh, with that being said, I think we've uh, kind of covered all our bases today, and uh, Bruins leave Saturday night. I'm looking forward to that one. But for Spencer Lucier, Haley Ferguson, I'm Zach Cook, and uh, we'll see you next week. Make sure you follow at Puck Talks Live. And don't forget about the boys at Zach Cook CSM and Spenny Lou CSM. 